Welcome to Rhea Radio, episode number 19, with Ruben Gomez. You're listening to Rhea Radio, the nationally trusted name in real estate investing. We dig deep to discover investors' why in real estate. If you want to skip all the BS and get in investors' heads, you're in the right spot. Be one of the thousands to check out RioRadio.com. That was intense. That, that was a good one. I, I did the full hand. I felt the energy. I know. I like that. I, I like to bring the energy for you, Owen, every day. I, I'm sitting here awed in appreciation for you, Ted. Even when I don't sleep, Owen, I bring it to you, buddy. What? Ha- tell us about why you didn't sleep. This is uh, this will be a good one. So I had my I had my house on 19th. I have a four-bedroom house. Okay. Um, it was my first uh, actual renovation house that I took on a couple years ago. Your baby. It's my baby. Uh, my tenants moved out. They they grew up and got their own big, big kid's house. And uh, great people, by the way. And long story short, uh, I was like, okay, so what I, I really want to have a military family in my houses. I just feel there's an extra protection level there. And the other line is Airbnb. And I bought a staging company. So I have, I have an abundance of furniture. So I, I bought it for the apartment building here. But I was like, okay, I got this house. I'm not going to be able to get full rents in December, right? So I assumed... In December on this property, I could probably get about 1100 rent if I want to rent it in a timely fashion. But I was previously renting it for 1500 So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, well, if I rent it in April, I can get that full rent, right? Well, there's a influx of refugees in town from Afghanistan right now. Mm-hmm. And our property management company has rented 38 Airbnbs to Afghanis through Lutheran Family Services. Oh, wow. That's great. And I was told that there is a lot more opportunity there. So I have been burning the candle. Denless on Sunday and Alex, my contractor, has helped me literally from 8 in the morning till 5 p.m. moving furniture all day Sunday. It was like, it was like moving into three houses. Wow. So the four-bedroom, the top level, the third floor here, and then the main floor on this apartment building. And so – all of us couldn't walk. We're like half dead doing that. And then I've been just being Santa buying stuff for all these properties, getting it ready. So last night I was literally there till 4.45 this morning getting the final finishings done, hanging stuff, cleaning, and of all things, spending two hours on the phone with Google to get my internet set up. <laughs> The glamorous world of short-term rentals. So this is like I had no idea the the cost and the intensity. I've been I mean, I've been value shopping a lot, but there's certain things you just got like I didn't realize that a rice cooker was such a big deal on air fryers and um, you know just the the minute details. I literally had a toiletries and all that all the supplies yeah. for bathrooms and kitchens. Yeah. So I had Megan. We had Megan Ahern uh, speak on a panel mm-hmm. about short term. She provided a awesome list of stuff. So I took that and a couple other lists I got and I created a checklist spreadsheet of all the things I had to buy. And I probably picked about ninety percent of them up. There's also supply issues. I can't find everything. But got this all set up. You know, and originally, uh, my property manager, I'm using, he's like, yeah, I think we can get like 1500 I'm like, man, that's what I'm getting for rent. 
And I have a lot of expenses here. Plus, I'm paying all the utilities. I'm like, that's not going to make sense. Can you give us a ballpark idea? So this is a four-bedroom, what, two-bath house? Yep. Um, Understanding that you already bought some of the furnishings, right? Because you you bought the staging um, and you had the storage unit and all that that fun stuff. What do you think ballpark it would cost to outfit that house properly so that it's set up for a a, a successful short-term rental? I would think that you would spend – I mean, if you had to buy everything new, yeah, I, I think that you could. I would easily be in the six to eight thousand range. Okay, no, you and you were able to source a lot of uh, uh, gently used items, right? So I had all the bed frames already through my storage unit I bought, mm-hmm. uh, but the kitchen was a big undertaking because it's silverware, it's Tupperware, it's baking goods, it's um, dishes, cups, coffee makers, or Keurigs. I bought. For flipping Keurigs. Oh wow! <laughs> you bought you bought Keurigs for your Airbnb, but not for the recording studio yeah. where I drink coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Ted. Yeah, I thought you love that. It microwaves, and then the supply is behind it, right? Yeah. So Goodwill is kind of nice because I was able to get all the all. They had tons of brand new, obviously soaps, and they have a whole sh- a lotion department and everything there. So I just unloaded the whole shelf into the cart. <laughs> now, okay, so you're saying between you said about eight eight thousand bucks ballpark if you were buying it new. Yeah, you were able to save some money by being thrifty, right? Yeah, and shopping for things, um, you know, in a more economical way. So is it fair to say maybe that, like, say a two bedroom or a smaller three bedroom, you could maybe get done for five grand if you were frugal about it? I think, is that about right? I think three to five thousand, yeah. Um, now with the crash course you've had recently with all the, the guests we've had that have, um, you know, specialized or dabbled in short-term rentals, do you, is there a rule of thumb? Maybe can you make, let's say 50% more in, in net income based on doing a short-term rental or is that, is that too variable depending on the location and the type of property? Or? Well, so I, since I was, this is my first rental of the property, they take a, a big chunk of money out. But before the discounts for being a first-time renter and what I'm going to pay in management fees and everything, the actual rent on this for 30 days came to $3,300. Wow. So, That's a big difference. It's a big difference. Yeah. So you can recover some costs pretty quickly. Now, and you were saying before uh, the podcast got started here, so Lutheran Family Services, they're a nonprofit organization. They have aligned with uh, – Basically getting Afghani uh, refugees housing, right? Yep. And yep. it sounds like from what you said, uh, they have more needs. So they're, you, you said 38 have been placed by uh, – just, just the local property management, Orange Property Management, did 38 of them last week. Yeah. So I, um, Lutheran Family Services, I believe, is a national organization, but there's a lot of different ones out there. So if anyone listening to this wants to know how to get started in uh, helping out with uh, refugees and also you know putting some good money in your pocket – that might be a good way to uh, um, you know get some holiday cheer for both uh, the the uh, the new residents and uh, and your pocketbook. Yeah, so the local people are booking that through the Airbnb services. So uh, if you definitely want to get on those different platforms and be prepared for this. Now, do you call like somebody at the Lutheran Family Services office and just say, "Hey, I I have a property. I'd, I'd be willing to you know use it for this purpose." So and they'll they'll help. So that how that works. Austin, after getting the first one booked, you know he was in touch now with that person, and so they had a line of communication from that point. So Austin said, "Hey, I'm going to start calling around and getting more properties." So then he called me. And he's like, "Hey, your house. I think I can get that rented for at least." Um, 2000 was the number he dropped to me originally. So that's, that's what made all these, uh, one nighters, ha- <laughs> <laughs> all nighters happen. So I, I know, I, I think it's a great opportunity, especially, 
you know, I think it's a it's kind of a little bit of a hack because you do not get the rents you want in December, but it doesn't make sense to wait a month or two. Yeah, it's a tough time of year to, to rent. Although sometimes I get surprised. You never know. It's just the tenant or the potential applicant pool is going to be a lot smaller. People don't like moving here in December, January, February. So my ultimate goal, like going into this, is like this building that we're in right now, it's a five unit. And I want to make every unit a nurse rental eventually. And then when there's no nurses in here, I want Airbnb tenants in here. So that way I can kind of transition between the two. And because sometimes you gotta wait two months to have a nurse contract. Mm-hmm. So nurses generally stay three months on a one bed unit. They'll pay usually about 1500, which is great money. Uh, when I bought this place uh, a year ago, I, I, pro- I prospected it at 550 rent per unit. And now I, um, I know for a fact I can get a thousand dollars a unit. I'm, I'm getting that right now. Wow. And this is a five-unit building. You're using one of the units for the recording studio, fabulous recording studio. Fabulous recording studio. So for the units, you're going to rent for roughly four grand uh, total? Um, so two of them are renting. Uh, I'm uh, actually including this one. So we have three units that are paying $1,000 a month. And then the other two units will be uh, Airbnb short-term rental. Yeah, that, that's outstanding. And then when when uh, when that is capacity, uh, I have – I'm searching some other office op- opportunities for us here. So this office relocate, this will be an Airbnb and then we'll transition the the current tenants in place out eventually to do that too. Short-term rentals worth the backache and four forty-five in the morning, uh, uh, hard work. I don't know about it, man. True or false. Uh, I'll let you know. TBD. It, yeah. All right. I don't know. Listeners, the jury is still out. We'll report back here in a, in a couple episodes when the weather warms up. <laughs> I, I really wish that we had a good recording of, the uh, short-term rental panel that we had at the at the Omaha Ria, yeah, because we had some we had some technical difficulties because we had to change locations, but uh, that um, that panel was so informative. Uh, there is a Facebook video on that, but it, it, we didn't have a good internet signal, so it was a little glitchy. But uh, but there is some some good content on there. We had Austin uh, Compton from Orange Property Management, Dan Zimmerman. I don't remember the name of his property management company. And and then uh, and then City Line, City Line, thank you. And Megan Ahern uh, was in there, and she has a staging company, and she stages Airbnbs and has her own. Maybe we could link to the 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 feed for that in the in the show notes. If you ever want to watch any of our our events, I always um, hashtag all of our videos with live Ria event. Golden Nugget, there, yeah, there's a little nugget there. So if you want to check out anything that since I've taken over a year and a half ago, just check that out. Love it. So. So, so yeah, do you have any news? Have you been uh, any news updates? Anything that you've checked out lately? Oh, the, okay. So this was actually just last night. This popped up on uh, on on the local news. So in Omaha, there is a house that the Nebraska Humane Society just basically discovered that there were over five hundred animals living in this house. Gross. Five hundred. Was it a rental? You know, I did. It didn't say. I, I don't think so. I think it was owned. Um, did you, Did you get this lead uh, through Red Ladder? <laughs> yeah, actually, I'm the one that uh, called in the news story on that. No, I'm kidding. Because you want to get a better deal. Yeah, in the that's place. right. I mean, it's all about negotiating. You know, positioning. Uh, no, this this is actually a sad story. And and the weird thing about this is there were a lot of exotic animals in there. So can you imagine if you're a neighbor on a house that has 500 animals living in it? What that would sound and smell like? 
I mean, you wake up in the morning, there's a chinchilla sitting on your back deck, and you're like, oh, okay, uh, maybe an ostrich running around in the backyard. You know, I bet, exciting. The, I bet there was no mice in the neighbor's houses until they evacuated that house out. Probably. Well, depending on the type of animals they had, they may have taken care of the mice problem. I, I guarantee you that's a bulldoze. But so... Last year, apparently, uh, Brandon, my, my partner, told me that the same house had over 200 animals that were removed. So I think they cleaned it out, cited the owner with, you know, I don't know if it was uh, cruelty to animals or whatever the charges were, but then this exact same thing happened a year later. Like, I, clearly, there's some mental health issues involved here. You don't just keep 500 animals in your house. How do you afford that? I, <laughs> right? I mean, what do you, what do you feed these things? I mean, so anyway, sad story. They they're obviously going to um, rehome a lot of these animals and hopefully find you know places where they can uh, get rehabilitated and, and uh, be you know live a normal life. But yeah, just super sad story. Stuff like that happens a lot in this business, unfortunately. But uh, hey, might be a uh, you know an, a rehab opportunity out there soon. Mm. So, <laughs> <laughs> I would closely check the disclosure statement on a house like that, though. Yeah, was there an address listed on that one? Uh, there wasn't. <laughs> imagine. That. Can you imagine how many protesters would be out there? Oh, Jimmy Christmas. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, did you have any cool meetings with anybody interesting in the last week? Okay, so I did have a really cool meeting. Yeah. So I I haven't told you about this yet. So through Bigger Pockets, I noticed there was a guy named Henry Clark. Um, who lives from Glenwood, Iowa. That's where he he lives. And his wheelhouse is storage units, mm-hmm. which I've been kind of interested in lately. So um, he was posting all this fantastic information out there, how much they cost to build, where he sources the, you know, the, the materials for it, uh, how much the concrete's going to run you, the steel buildings, you know, wood versus steel, different roofing types, all this super detailed information. I mean, like long, really informative posts. And I reached out to him and I'm like, man, thank you so much for sharing all this stuff. I'm like, I was just kind of like being a voyeur here and reading through all your posts. And like, you put a lot of good stuff out there. Thank you. And so he's like, yeah, no problem. You know, the snap messaged me right back. And then, so I, I reached out to him and I just said, Hey, if I can ever, you know, buy you lunch, take you to coffee or something, if you wouldn't mind me just bugging you with a few questions about that. You I, say, I, can I, you say, no, I did brain? not say pick your brain. <laughs> I did not say that. So he... Okay, so this was like, uh, you know, last week, I think it was on a Tuesday, and it was the day of the windstorm, the really bad windstorm mm-hmm. when we had whatever, 80-mile-an-hour winds. He calls me that morning randomly, and I just, you know, it's I'd forgotten I'd sent him my phone number, and he's like, hey, uh, just wanted to let you know I'm going to go look at a storage unit, that's, uh, storage unit facility that's going to be for sale in South Omaha on like 25th and G or something like that. You want to hop in with me? I'll meet you at my, uh, my storage unit facility in Council Bluffs. I can show you that, and then I'll take you over there. I'm like... Yeah, that sounds awesome. So I headed right there, met him. This is, you'll make fun of this, but so crazy story. Uh, so another guy shows up and I'm like, oh, are you Henry? You don't, you know, like I was thinking, like he doesn't look like the dude in the bigger pockets picture. Like the guy, did I get catfished? <laughs> anyway, he's like, oh, no, no, I'm meeting Henry here. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And he's like, I'll, I'll just wait here too. Turns out, this is bizarre, Southwest Iowa, small town, he's my cousin. Like kind of like distant cousin, <laughs> the guy that was meeting him. I swear to God. So I hadn't seen him in 25 years. Can we say? Can we play some hillbilly music during that? <laughs> so anyway, uh, we caught up. Turns out he's a pretty big investor. He owned at one time like 70 single family houses. Runs in the blood, huh? Yeah, he uh, he had. A roofing business sold that. He owned, uh, like, he's building a new storage facility. Like, he's a baller. 
And and so so I met him, and then Henry shows up, and he's probably uh, I think he's sixty. Okay, so but he loves this stuff. He's got I don't know how many storage unit facilities, but I think it's uh, between eight and ten. And there's like one or two in Council Bluffs, uh, like three in Shenandoah, Iowa, uh, three in Glenwood. Um, so these kind of like smaller towns and that's like his specialty, right? So he goes in and analyzes like per capita, you, you know, I think then, and I'm going to probably mess this up, but like per hundred people, you can have six units and it will sustain, you know, the, the population there, right? Six storage units per hundred people, I think is what he told me. So if you like extrapolate that over a larger population, you can pretty quickly tell based on, you know, just a Google search on how many facilities are out there. So anyways, fascinating stuff. So he, so I met him at this facility that he just built like the previous year, got it up to like 55% capacity. And he's like, this is all I need. This covers all the bills and it's paying down, you know, paying down the note and all that. He said, now this is bonus bucks time when I get it up past 55%. So I thought that was really interesting. And then he took me over to the South Omaha um, place that we went through and it was a big, it's like a five acre, almost five acre um, facility. It's got a huge parking lot in back. And it's kind of like cracked concrete, like, you know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a little, it needs a little TLC. And I'm going back there and he goes, Owen, he goes, when I see concrete like this, everybody else runs from it because they see this huge expense. He goes, I see this is gold. And I'm like, why? He goes, you see all these? And I go, what? And I'm looking around, right? And I see there are cars parked everywhere. And they're like these junky, crappy, non-running cars. And I'm like, what? what is the deal here? Why are all these cars parked here? Why would you pay money to park a crappy car? And he said, these are probably mechanics that, uh, that are renting contractor bays. And these are cars that they're going to restore or work on or whatever. And it's like 80 bucks a month per car stall. Right. And then he was talking about the differences between steel buildings and wood buildings and what to look for and how much he would value it. I just got a, like an MBA and storage unit, uh, running and operating and buying and all that from that guy. And for, and so we get done with all this, right. And this is like two hours, right. We spend there great conversations. I'm sitting there listening to Ryan, my cousin and, uh, Henry Clark. And they're, they're both talking to the owner and he's just freely sharing information. Great dude also. And, uh, he's like, I, I'm not, this isn't my wheelhouse. I normally own commercial, you know, like strip malls and, and commercial bays and stuff like that. He's like, I bought this cause it was a deal, put some work into it. Now I realize it's pretty high maintenance. And, uh, I just, you know, I'm going to sell it, but he's, you know, done value add and everything. Anyway, I get done with that. And Henry's like, Hey, you owe me lunch. And I'm like, gladly. So we jump in, go to, um, South O right down the street and, uh, and ate at a Honduras restaurant there for another two hours, just talked and talked and talked. And, and, uh, I was just grilling them with questions and they were awesome, awesome to talk to. Did uh, your cousin Ed show up too? Yeah. <laughs> it was a family reunion. Uh, is he dashing? No, he's not. He's not a dashing. He's a sell. Uh, so anyway, we, we finish up the lunch. He takes me back to the the storage unit facility and, uh, he tells me all about it, how he got it set up, how he runs his operations, how he has it fairly automated. Right. And I'm like fascinated with all this. Meanwhile, the wind is now creeping up to like 50, 60 miles an hour. There's like crap blowing by us on the, you know, I'm looking out the window and I'm like, I don't want to cut this short because it's such good information, but I'm like, oh my, I got to get home. I don't like, I can't remember if I staked my trampoline down not or yet or not. You're afraid that the planes were going to fly over the airport and land on your house. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, I, I, I just wanted to give him a shout out. I doubt he's going to listen to this, but that was such a good meeting. We and so could have booted Ruben and you could, you could have brought him in. What? All right. Cut. <laughs> just kidding. We love Ruben. So anyway, to, to finish up, uh, 
that was all because I messaged him through Bigger Pockets. And now I would consider him like, I mean, we're not like best friends or anything, but like that, I could totally call him anytime. And he could call me for, you know, anything he needed. Flat tire? Uh, maybe not that or moving at four forty five in the morning. I don't know that he'd be up for that, but whatever, you, you know, you Hey, we're working you, on it. You wouldn't even do that for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, great meeting impromptu. You never know what you're going to get. If you actually just put out messages to people that, you know, are doing stuff you want to do. Well, I hate to say it cause Ruben's been waiting in the waiting room for a long time, but do you have a golden nugget for us today? Owen? All right. So quick golden nugget here. And this is, uh, from talking with, uh, our beloved, uh, Dennis Bertrand and uh, we were talking about newer investors, what keeps you from uh, getting started, right? So I, this is really interesting. I want to do it. I just don't know how. What is the first challenge that newer investors run into? What do you think it is? Money. Yes. So money slash financing. They don't know how to get going in that because it's a. it seems like an insurmountable hurdle, right? So what we talked about was, and Ruben can touch on this too when we bring him in, but... Um, Finding a deal is the quickest cure for the financing challenge. So you can find private money or hard money or bank money if you find a deal that's good enough. And so that's the, that is the workaround. I think they look at the wrong thing. It's not finding financing. It's finding the deal that will allow you to find financing, mm-hmm. right? Or money, cash, whatever. So the point is get good at finding deals. And to do that, you have to get out there and look at properties and you have to make offers. I tell you what, when it was time to get, for me to get my first property, I cashed in my 401k, Yeah, took the hit and got my first deal. I've done the same thing. So, uh, where there's a will, there's a way, right? Yeah, of course. All right. Well, without any further ado, I think it's time to get Ruben out of the green room because there is a lot of whiskey in that green room and you never know what he's going to be doing in there. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> but Hey, little introduction to Ruben. Uh, Ruben has been a personal friend of both of ours for years. Uh, probably me a little bit longer than you. Decades. Decades. Ah, oh, dang, he beat I'm me. I'm just nine years old. So. <laughs> so Ruben Gomez is from Venezuela. He has a wife of seven years named Taylor. He has two children, Alexander, which is three, Valentina, uh, one years old. I've uh, been investing for nine years. He currently has 22 doors. He owns a company called Cash for Keys. We'll get a little bit into that in our interview. He's a real estate agent since 2018 with Nebraska Realty and was a college baseball player. And that's what brought him into the country. So I'd love to dig into that a little bit. But And a custom home builder. A custom home I builder. I went into that for a while. Yeah. So yeah. let's get into that story. But before we get into that story, how about you start off, since Christmas is tomorrow, mm-hmm. and this is coming out a little bit after, that's fine, because uh, Owen got us Santa Claus hats. Thank you, Owen. You're yeah. welcome. I need it. <laughs> you look great. We all look Thank beautiful. We all, this will be a fun group. Venezuelan sure. Santa. I didn't think I'd see it, but no, no I, it works. It just yeah. This just works. So tell us something. I that, ride a Jeep, though. <laughs> what? Not a sleigh. It's a Jeep. Yeah, yeah. Is there any traditions that you're going to bring from Venezuela back here for for Christmas? This guy right here, he's stopping the, by on the 24, and we're doing some parrandas. What uh, is that? Yeah, he, he and his mom have like these music. He being Denless. Denless. Yeah. So yeah, there's no cameras here. Uh, yeah. Our tire uh, our tireless producer and editor Denless Bertrand. One day yeah. he'll, he'll he'll the unsung the hero. He has a microphone. He just won't hook it up so he can talk. So he's stopping by, and we're gonna be uh, I I don't know like playing songs and dancing and eating and drinking and yeah some that sounds fun it yeah, does yeah, I don't I don't yeah. remember getting an invite yep yep I so uh, some 
Venezuelan food for sure. So, you know, I brought my parents here. So my mom, my dad, my brother, they're here. So we keep our traditions going. Outstanding. Yeah, I love, love it. it. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, can you give us a little bit of uh, background, you know, of you coming into the States, what brought you into the States and how, uh, what steps your, your life took to get to the career that you're at now? Who is Ruben Gomez? Yeah. So, uh, that dun, was dun, like dun. back in 2009, I was like, okay, I have to do something with my life. I have to change. So why not to go back and play baseball in the U.S.? I mean, I be, we've been traveling the U.S. We have family here, this and that. And I'm like, that probably sounds like a good thing to do, right? Get away from all this that's happening back home, right? You guys know what's happening in Venezuela. No, what's, oh, it's what's happening back home. Uh, so Venezuela has been going through a lot of bad stuff over the last probably 20 years now. And at that time, I realized, you know, this is just kind of transitioning down. Like there's just a decay and that's not going to improve anytime soon. So I better just get out so you right. saw that i mean because you guys were at a high of a high you yeah yeah super rich uh yeah. country for yeah. a little while high on high on uh what yeah. oil and yeah yeah uh venezuela was like the dollar like the venezuelan currency was stronger than the dollar in like 1950s or uh, early 60s or something it was like the ri richest country in the world at one point wasn't yeah. it yeah 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 oil diamonds water like all natural resources like we had like four-way lane highways before the u.s had them i mean you know there was a lot going on i had no idea yeah and then uh over the last 20 years he's just been going down to hell honestly that's what's happening so socialism kind of took over well i mean that's just like the name they put to it it's just corruption corruption you know? and political yeah. unrest yeah yeah pretty much yeah so uh i saw that coming about 10 years ago now maybe a little over 10 years and i wasn't playing baseball i i was just partying my life out and i'm like okay this is going down i'm also kind of going down by myself you know so you saw the gut happening so, so six pack going away so i start i heat i heat up like <laughs> it's kind of funny because this is how you find properties like well how i do it now it's like i i went i it was a lot of sleepless nights, and I would go and find all the universities in the U.S. that have baseball programs, and I literally email all of them. Like, I didn't care if it was, like, NCAA, like, a UCO or, like, a NIA. Like, I emailed all of them. And then I just started kind of narrowing the list. And Iowa Western had a really good baseball program. Uh, it was pretty cheap. Uh, I kind of look at the map and I just see cornfields around it. And it's like, that's what I need. It's kind of like, you know, go dry, you know? <laughs> so if I go to Florida, I'll probably get wasted, you know, every day. It's like, no, let's just go to Iowa. <laughs> yep. And that's how I got here. And then you get yeah. here and realize that all there is to do is drink here too. Well, no, I'm like, I, I still try to have fun. And after like maybe three or four gatherings, I realized there's no way I can have fun around here. This is just way too boring. So I stopped doing it. And that was the whole point. So, so your, fir your first direct mail campaign was to uh, uh, universities <laughs> yeah. and junior colleges and NAIA. Yeah. Uh, okay. I filmed some videos uh, like playing defense, offensive, and just like even running, and, <laughs> and I send them out. I think of Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> as soon as he says that. Was it Cousin Rico? Uh, Uncle Rico? <laughs> Uncle Rico. We like, we like put the, the VHS camera back, and then you're like going back, and then you're like, and then you like throw it yeah, yeah, yeah. In the, in, at the camera, and then accidentally hit the camera. Run. Yeah, yeah. I had some buddies that that were they were playing college here, so they kind of teach me all the ropes and like what you have to do in order to get the whole um, the legal paperwork going because it's it's 
you know, quite a bit of work there, and I made it happen. <laughs> so. so you came to the U.S. on an uh, was it a student visa yeah, then? Yeah, okay, so an F one yeah. student visa, yeah, yeah. and you played baseball uh, for two years. Uh, Three years. Three years. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What, what, su- what super position? senior. Super sophomore. Uh, well, yeah. So I. Uh, what position were you? Uh, third baseman, second baseman, okay. catcher, just kind of whatever. Uh, but uh, I, I met my wife in the second year in college, and then that's where I decided, okay, I'm going to stay in Omaha. So I transferred to Bell of University. And um, after like the fall, I injured, and that was it. I kind of had to find something to do. And that's when I kind of somehow reached out for that, landed on my lap, like, you know, everybody else. Do you remember who gave it to you? Or it how, was, a, you it was it? a girl from, uh, she wasn't Russian. It was like a country around there. We were talking and she's like, I, I, I kind of was expressing like, I, I probably need to do something now. And I kind of like business, but I don't really know what, like I don't have. So we were talking about it and she's like, I think you will really benefit from these tapes. And she gave me the actual tapes. And I had to go and buy one of those. You a, know, a Walkman? Yeah, yeah, you had to yeah. buy a Walkman? I had to go and buy one. And uh, and that got me going. She literally gave me, like, the whole library, like, cash flow, quadrant, like, all of them. And it was amazing. Do you so, still have it? I do. Yeah, they're in my basement sitting in a box. I do have them. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. Did you know uh, that I played at Southwestern Community College? Yeah, yeah we, you we talked about yeah, this, yeah, right? Yeah, talk yeah. about So it, same yeah, conference yeah, yeah, yeah. about oh, uh, we just two decades guys, apart. like 20 to nothing every single game. Oh, uh, that's not how it used to be, man. Yeah, it all yeah, went downhill yeah, after yeah, I, yeah, gr- yeah, I got yeah, out of there. What position were you? I was a pitcher. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I did not know that about you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So interesting. What now you were, okay. So you were 20 when ish, when you got, uh, rich dad poor dad. Somewhere around that. Yeah. No, and, well, that was, no, that, I was like 24. Yeah. 24 by then. Something like that. 23. Yep. Okay. So yep. you were a mature, yep. Uh, yep. uh, junior college student. Yeah. I was already engaged and I had to do something like, you know, this whole baseball and go to school wasn't cutting it anymore. I didn't have more excuses because <laughs> I injured, so I wasn't playing baseball anymore. So great time to transition into, you know, what is, how are you going to make money, you know? So what, what happened next? Uh, then we were getting married. So when you're getting married, you need a place to live. Dorms are not good anymore. Your best friend's mom basement is not good anymore. Sure it is. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah, for for just for for a short while, <laughs> and uh, and then you know I couldn't go to I couldn't work. And my wife, she just graduated maybe like three, no, I would say like six months ago. She had a job. She's a dental hygienist, so really good in the eyes of a bank. And we were lucky enough that she was using her credit card. So since she was, I don't know, a teenager, she was using this $1,000 credit card and paying it off. So when when I, I, I don't know where the idea came from. House hack wasn't a thing. And uh, I didn't want to rent. I didn't want to buy a house because... You know, she loses her job. I can't even work. So it's kind of like, you know, too much pressure on one income. And I'm like, I had the idea of buying a triplex. It's like, sure. Like, you know, that's like, that's like the laziest way to just leave, right? Like you leave for free. They pay your rent. Like there's zero, zero pressure there, right? So that's what we did. We bought a meant to be a built per purpose triplex. And what year was this? This was in 2013, okay. summer of 2013, somewhere around there. So, Did you even know anything about real estate? Like, how did you know that was a good, no good deal? Yeah, I have no clue. Uh, I remember we were talking about it a few weeks ago. I took my firing law after church, and I'm like, okay, so 
drive me through a neighborhood that you would like to leave based on what you know about me and your daughter. Like, you know, just drive me through a good neighborhood. And he drove us through the neighborhood he grew up in. And we are driving by and I see this sign for sale. And he's in a tribe. And I'm like, what? And then just like call them. And we just, you know, we went at it. So Was this a built for suit triplex? It was a duplex, and it has a walkout, and then they finish one half. So was, uh, it, was it a conversion? Uh, I mean, you can technically call it a conversion, but a very good one. You know, separate utilities, separate utilities. Yeah. And yep, what yep. you pay for it? Uh, one fifty. Wow. And then yeah. what were you getting on the rents on the other units? Uh, so back in the day, I think when I bought it, I kicked one out, uh, so that doesn't count. I had to live somewhere, and then I think the other two were like five, six hundred bucks or something like that. Uh, right now they are like. A fifty. So you like, still ha- you still have it? Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, price at three twenty like a year ago. So within <laughs> what like I don't know, like five, six years. Went up like sixty percent in value. Yeah. Or yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> hundred and ten percent. Yeah. 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 And so, and it's a, it's a we got FHA long. We got an FHA long on it, so we just put down like four thousand dollars or something like that, like you know, three point five percent. So five thousand dollars, I think, is what we put down. Okay, so this this is a good add on to our golden nugget earlier on getting started, right? Oh yeah. Uh, so the FHA loan, and I know this has been you know evangelized to death with all the uh, house hacking books and and forum posts and so forth on Bigger Pockets, but mm-hmm. you can if you're a a you know a, a home buyer that's never purchased anything before and you qualify for an FHA mortgage, you can get into it for three and a half percent down. Correct. And if you can find, I know it's hard to find stuff now, but if you can find a multifamily property for, you know, uh, a reasonable price, and if you factor everything into it, you could live in one unit and rent the other one or other two or other three. And uh, that's the best way to go about, um, you know, getting started in this because you have, you come up with such little out of pocket and you're able to cover, cover your monthly nut. Yeah. And you have a question down here and I'm just going to get another way. It's like, you know, what is the advice to get started? Like, and for me, it was I needed to. You know, it became a need. Like, I need a house, and it's not like I want to. You know, Pro- people, proper like, motivation. Yeah. So I want to be an investor. I want to do this. No, I need to do this. You have to do it. Find a way that you have to do it and go for it. You now, know. what were you doing for income at the time? You mentioned your wife was a dental hygienist. Um, I wasn't doing anything. I was just going to school. Okay. I was a sugar daddy. That's what I was doing. <laughs> She was your sugar mama. She huh? was my sugar mama. Yeah, nice. that's right. So you you went. <laughs> you still from... call her sugar mama, don't you? What? You still call her your sugar mama, don't no, you? No, now I'm her sugar daddy. She's not working anymore. Oh, so. the, the tables have turned. Yeah, but he yeah, still, but he yeah. still, but he I'm still calls her sugar. Pay my dues now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we, we play. Well, we go back and forth. Uh, so you switched to uh, Bellevue University. So you were going there at the time when you found your first deal. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And how long did you live in your house, first house hack? So uh, it was like a year and we had to like stretch it because by law you had to live there for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like the lady across the street, like that house was empty all the time. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, went to buying the house across the street and we stayed there for a year. Then we just move across the street, you know. <laughs> no <laughs> so, kidding. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And now you have like this single family house that is just getting paid by the triplex. I mean, essentially. Right. So And you, now, said, and you, you said this house is in Omaha? Yeah, yeah, the Where's midtown, that? like, uh, th- well, it's like 38 and center, kind of around that area. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, around that area. So Now, do you still have that second house? No, that one I had to sell. So uh, I did an appraisal on it. I want to refinance it. And it was like, came at 140. And I'm like, really? I sell it within a day at 210, something like that. 
Oh, wow. So you had a crappy appraisal that came back. Yeah, and I didn't know enough to kind of like, you know, maybe influence a little better. But the reality was that the house was so special that that really like the comps, like comparable wise, that's what it was. But the house, the the house was really freaking cool. So is is there something that you would have done differently? I would have kept that one. Um, I mean, and, as far as appraisal or that, you said that you said that you know now yeah, something different. I would How probably would you be a little more patient uh, and just like, well, the, the reality is like I turned that money into like three other properties. So at the end of the day, you can always just like look back and, and say, well, I could have done it differently, but I think it worked out just well. I mean, whatever, you know, is what it is. So, so back to back house hacks. And what did you start doing after that? I know you've dabbled in flipping and wholesaling and building and yeah, what, so what I, happened next? I, I well, you know, I worked with Jerry and Mike, which uh well I before then I worked with a different portfolio. So I think uh I took to heart what Rich Dap or that say, like work for others and learn. So I became like a project manager, like I started managing different areas of So what, of, what did Jerry and Mike Schlickburn do? Uh, for they, people who don't know, uh, back in the day, they were primarily like for the most part, I think, or at least what I was involved, like they were doing other stuff, but uh, I was like their project manager flipping properties. So that's how I first met. That's how we met. Yeah. yeah. So I would find the properties for Jerry and Mike Schlickburn. Uh, and then uh, Ruben was the creative designer behind it. No, and I was like the also project manager, you were, superintendent. But you bought the creativeness. I mean, like, yeah, you, yeah. You had amazing design ideas yeah design wise yeah and I, to this day today i was picking tile for like four bedrooms and two kitchens it was like oh my gosh i hate doing this but yeah he, I kinda... he, he took the designs to the next level like where does that come from uh is that something that you've always been pretty talented with when you were a kid were you into uh, artistic stuff or no not music no art nothing you just kind of picked know. it up and had uh just kind of had enough I mean, you you start doing something long enough, you start getting good at it. Uh, I'm sure, like, you see the pictures of the first few ones I did, and they suck, or, you know, maybe it took too long, or, like, now it's just more natural because I had done a few of them, but um, I don't know, I think it's just kind of getting into it, uh, really. Like, I don't know, I don't think I'm that special, so. So you said that you I'm a guy, I drive a truck, I'm not a, you know, cute lady, you know, designer, no, it's just like, you know. And then it's a lot of value, too, like, I understand how much things cost. You know, you can go and hire a designer and then they show up with these 20 bucks a square foot tile. It's like I'm using a dollar a square foot tile <laughs> to make it look like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So so at what point did you decide, hey, I've learned what I need to learn and I'm going to take it to the next step. And what did you do? Yeah. So uh, it has been just like one step after the other. Like at the beginning, I was moving really fast. Like I started doing project management and complete guts. I didn't know what a two by four was. So you just like feel it out. Okay, I kind of feel comfortable. Move to the next one. I started running a maintenance apartment within a portfolio. Okay, I actually got fired of that one. I didn't quit on that one or move on. But I kind of learned that one. Then I kind of I went with Jerry because they were doing the single family home remodels and got into that. Once I felt a little more comfortable, I was still doing my own flips with them. And I was doing their flips as well. And then I was too comfortable, and then I started building new houses. Would you say that single-family flips is your strongest uh, suit? Well, eh, sure. I mean, they kind of get done by themselves, so probably, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's one of them. Well, you know, and the difference between a flip and a burr is the same, right? Yes. So, so, yeah, kind of within that. Single-family market, though, is your, is your niche. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, yeah single-family, yes. Now, what does your portfolio look like today? Uh, so like fourplex, triplex, duplex, 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 and single family homes. Are you 
consciously focusing on a certain part or parts of town or are you looking more for this is a deal and it's a decent area to live? Yeah, we, we talked a while back and I probably told you that. It's like, oh, I like this area. And now it's like, screw it. I, I, <laughs> I miss so many opportunities, you know? Yeah, like, I, like we are in a city where there is too many good areas to just focus on one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, it's just about the numbers now. I try to be a little more shotgun oriented than than sniper, you know. So, talk talk maybe for a minute about your foray into custom home building. How did that happen? What, so, how did it go? Do you still do any of that? What does that look like now? So one of like my first mentor, and I would call him purely my mentor. And you know, we don't have like that title, but like he really influenced me, and he does to this day. He's a big developer. Um, I think you guys tour like one of his complexes uh, on the meetup uh, event that you guys did like two months ago. He's like this great guy, right? So oh, he, Prairie Queen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you want to give a shout out to this mysterious man? Well, yeah, Jerry, you mean a lot to me. Now you know it. <laughs> J- Jerry Reimer. Yeah. So, uh, so um, he let me drive for him for like. I think it was like a month or so. Like I just drove for him and I think he was kind of seeing if I fit somewhere within his ecosystem and not really. I'm just like too entrepreneurial, I guess, or too hard headed. But I drove for him and I kind of saw how he operated his business. Like that was before I got working. That was when I was still going to school. Uh, and I actually met him in a RIA meeting. He was a speaker and I just kind of stick around long enough and trying to sound smart enough that he gave me a shot. And... That's why, so my career, I, I wanted to be a developer. And I think kind of to this day, I will eventually do it, but I already know enough that it's not as sexy as I thought it was, that I'm not really thinking about it very much. But I wanted to be a developer because I saw him and that's kind of what I came from. So the whole single family was just kind of like an entry into it. And then I realized, and then I kind of like the natural progression of like, okay, I'm getting really comfortable with all these rehabs. Let me just start building them new. I think that's what I was thinking at the time. Again, just to build my career to be a real estate developer. So I did that. That's why I shifted. Uh, and I did that for like four years. And I built, like, I think it was like 13, 15 houses. And I, I'm i done. You know, like I, I have a few lots and I will eventually go and do some of that. But right now I'm just focusing on single family homes. So. Why did you quit doing that? Was it too much work for the amount of profit you were making? Yeah. So uh, I see all these guys like you guys making so much money when I'm building houses and it's like, what's going on here? You know, and then I started networking a little more and I realized that I realized that it was sexier than I thought it was going to be. And it's kind of overrated. That's kind of in my humble opinion. Uh, It's just a lot of work that goes into it. And the margins are really small. So I was trying to build my cash cow out of a kind of like a custom slash spec building company. And it, it wasn't there, you know, you had to have a big scale, you had to go into the neighborhoods and do maybe, you know, 200 lots or like 50 lots. It's something, something within that realm that you can actually project it. And it requires a lot of capital. Like, you know, every spec house you're going to dump in is going to be like, what, 250, you know, and up instead of a hundred thousand dollar house. Right. So you require a lot of capital. You require a lot of expertise. There's a lot of things that can go wrong. Like, with a house, with a remodel, you know, a lot of things can go wrong, right? But now you're building a new and you're managing all this and you, you're basically, you got to know everything about foundations, footings, like type of soils, uh, you know, framing. I mean, there's just a lot, right? There's just a lot that I think I've been blessed enough to learn, but I, I kind of, it got too complex and I decided, let's just keep this simple. So what is the simplest thing you can do, right? And I think the single family home kind of fits that. It's not simple by any means, but 
it's a lot simpler than building custom and doing spec houses. What do you think is a good, or is there an average return on investment that is acceptable if you're doing custom home builds? Like, is there a percentage that, uh, that you're like, yeah, that's about average. Or if I don't hit that, it's a failure. Well, you know, you kind of numbers are, they vary a lot because like this guy on the other side of the table can call a gross, like the, the number after like maybe office expenses. And then the other side, just look at the deal itself. Right. Sure. So it can vary a lot tremendously. So I gotta be careful what I say that is, but per deal, like, I feel like the industry like a net 10% is a pretty good number. Now, I don't know if that will count all the office expenses and all this other stuff on top of it. So it just kind of rise a lot, but you know, that's, you're, you're working on like a 10% margin when you're a custom Which builder. Which is super thin. And, yeah. and building homes is a slow burn, right? You've yeah. got months of you know, prep work, you've got permitting, you've got city involvement, you've the got weather. weather. Yeah. yeah, that's, yeah. Good luck in the wintertime here, mm-hmm. in the spring when there's so much yeah. rain. Yeah. And, yeah. So I build houses on the spring, on the summer, on the fall, on the winter, you know, start them on any time of the year. And it was a great experience, but it's like, you know, somebody else can do that. I was kind of like thinking like, you know, it's a good niche in there, like being young, getting started in that role, but I'm like, somebody else can, can take that one, you know? So local builder legacy, um, which is, I think it's like what Steve shampoo and, and, Peter, and Cat. Peter cat and some others, they are building their own rental properties. Yeah. Uh, so build, that, build to rent. Yeah. Are you looking into that at all? Or well, did, I look, I mean, I, I'm sorry. Did you look into I, that? Yeah, of course. And the thing is like, I think that's kind of like the course of blessing of being an entrepreneur is that you, like I'm a visionary, like by nature, I just can see, you know, the next five steps and being immature about it. I couldn't really hold myself into like being a little more patient towards that. Right. I was trying to do that or trying to set up to do that five years ago when now is when it's obvious that now is the time, but it's just kind of maturing as a businessman and being able to kind of time it right. So it's like, Oh, I want to be the first one. Well, no, I mean, you're way ahead. Like you're two years, three years ahead. Your cost is not still where there's a lot of between valuations and cost that goes into it. So, you know, five years ago, the valuations were, you know, I bought a, a triplex for, I don't know, 150. Now it's worth 300. Now new construction becomes, the, the only issue has been that cost has also gone up tremendously, exponentially as well. But now I feel like the gap is a lot smaller. And now you can justify that smaller return. So there's a lot of empty lots around the south, Omaha, downtown, <clears throat> midtown area. I mean, is there a value into buying one of those lots and actually building a one, two, or three, four I try unit? That, I tried that a few times. So uh, I think I kind of deep, deep, you know, deep into it. Uh, Again, the issue with that one is that you don't have economies of scale. So your infrastructure, your, you know, kind of like your lot cost, not your lot cost, but your lot uh, improvement cost generally tends to be pretty high compared to the asset that you're building. And if you think about it, how much a single family house or a fourplex cost that is 100 years old and how much rent can you get for it? Generally, you there, you have to find a gap, right? Because the construction cost is going to be higher than just going and buy it. So it's kind of tough. That's why you don't see that much of it happening, right? I think as time progresses, we're getting closer to that. And I know a lot of people looking into it. But, uh, I mean, it's definitely possible. It's just somebody wanting to do it. I got a client, <clears throat> Nick Frohart, and he purchased with a business partner a whole entire block in Elkhorn a few years ago. Oh, cool. And they... I, that was, a, that was a good play. 
and I don't remember all the exact numbers, so don't fully quote me. But at that time, I think he said he was about 170 to 190 in per door. And he did high-end finishes, unfinished basements, but uh, granite. Um, they're all three twos, I believe. Mm-hmm. And I believe in our last conversation that those values were uh, were creeping up to the 300K range. Mm-hmm. And he's getting like two to 2,500 rent on each one of those units. Mm-hmm. I mean, what a play. So, so I'm, I'm always yeah. trying to have that thought in the back of my head. Is this something that's lucrative enough to even consider? I mean, Owen, have you thought about doing this at all? Yeah, I have. I think that here's the, here's the deal. There's a challenge with accepting a lower return than you know you can get if you buy an older property, right? So the gap between, like to your point, Ruben, the gap between what you can get for a 100-year-old nicely remodeled property and a new construction one is probably, I mean, let's face it, it's not big enough to where you're going to be like, oh, yeah, let me go out and build a new one to get a couple hundred bucks a month extra, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's the that's the challenge with it. But, but there's with, no capex, right? Right. That's also true. So you're going to have years, hopefully, where you're going to have very minimal capital expense uh, to offset the you know the fact that a hundred year old building and is going to cost a, more. That could be at least a ten percent increase in return right there. Well, and it's going to appreciate more because odds are you know Nick's property uh, properties in in Elkhorn are going to appreciate a lot better than something that's on twenty fourth. I would love to give in because he ta- he he plays the appreciation game on everything he touches. Yeah, and he does very well with it, but it's not something I feel hundred percent comfortable with. So if you guys want to do that, I have a group of guys that basically like four lots in a row. They're all duplexes. So if you guys want to go and build a duplex, then you you know, there's just going to be like four people building them in kind of Elkhorn, you know, just kind of like a test ground if you want to learn it. So, I mean, I was offered that this week. I'm like, no, thank you. Like, you know, like I already did that, right? Price per door? Uh, so, like the numbers are like $500,000 investment and then the rents are like 2000 So, 2000 like 4000 rent, $500,000 investment. Per person? Uh, well, per duplex, like it's going to cost you $500,000 to build. Like that's your investment. So quick math, 0.8% as opposed to 1%, which is a rule of thumb a lot of people use, right? Yeah. And the thing is probably the taxes too, when you start looking at taxes on that, you know, area of town. Skyrocketing high. uh, Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. It's just, you know, what your appetite is. Different strategy. Yeah, Yeah. 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 So speaking of different strategies, you recently made a change in your business, right? And uh, we have talked at length about this. Maybe describe how your business looks today versus how it did when you first started out. Well, when I started out, it was me and 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 I don't know, you know, everybody else, like all our friends that we made on the way. But now it's like I do have a team, and I'm trying to build a team. You know, just building people up within the. What's your team look like? So I got uh, I got a lot of people virtual. So right now, what I what I'm doing is just finding discounted properties. So it's just like that's really all my focus, and and just trying to find good deals. You know? Yep. Can you lay us out what your team looks like and what what the business is? So we have uh, my right hand disposition manager, data guy. I mean, he wears many hats. Uh, his name is Willie. He's in Italy right now, mm-hmm. and. Um, I oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah. I've talk, I've, you talked to I've, Willie. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've emailed yeah. him. Talk, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's in Italy. Yeah, sometimes he gets like a scam. You're selling houses out of the country and stuff because he's in Italy, right? So, uh, And then we got um, we got Charlie. He's my lead manager. So, I mean, we have I have worked with Charlie for, I think, pouring myself into him for six months. No, he's local. Right? No, he's in El Salvador. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so he manages uh, a lot of like our, our uh, lead flow. And make those kind of warm up calls, uh, and then we have our core callers in the Philippines, El Salvador, Mexico, 
Um, and we got Travis, who is my local guy. Uh, he's basically, again, just kind of taking, taking like all the rental stuff, leasing, uh, operations. We're trying to transition into him managing more of the rehabs. When he got to, he got, when we got together, he was like, okay, I just kind of want to get started. And I think now he's just like, he's becoming an expert, you know, just takes time. So um, he's my local guy here. And I think that's really kind of how it looks like. I'm sure I'm missing a bunch of people. And what is the business? We just find deals. And you, what do you do with the deals once you, once you identify them? Then we figure it out. So that's kind of like, <laughs> you know, I, I, I guess I, I, I'm a wholesaler, right? Like that's that's what I am. Uh, but can I you mean, can you explain what a wholesaler is? So somebody that you know, I, everybody does his business very differently, right? So it's like what is your what is your definition of wholesale for what you do? Well, a wholesaler is somebody that buys something at a at a discount or produces something at a discount and sells it at a discount. You know, just makes a margin, and it doesn't sell to the end buyer. It sells to, in this case, it's an investor. Uh, that's going to either fix and flee the property or he's going to bear the property. Um, now, Ruben, you and I have talked about this a lot, but you you um, decided to make this change in your business and you want to focus more on lead generation. And then you figure out how you're going to disposition those properties as they come in. And, the, and okay, so this lead is a good one. Maybe you want to keep it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe you want to wholesale it. Maybe you want to do a fix and flip. So the point is focus on the lead gen part and then determine what the best, highest and best use of that product is at the end of the funnel. So right? uh, we talked like four months ago, or yep. maybe it was a month ago, and it feels like four months ago for us. <laughs> but uh, I think since then, I, I now have a little more clarity. And now we're like, you know, it's Christmas time, New Year. So like now I, by now, everybody better have their act together for next year, mm-hmm. right? So for me, next year is just basically, keep it simple, it's one deal a week. So it's like one deal a week. Like I just need to get one deal a week. And uh, from that wheel, at that deal a week, I feel like I just need to dispo, in this case, wholesale two properties of those four properties a month. And then I can fix and flip one, and then I can bear the other one. And basically just kind of keep that machine going. And it's just like a self-sufficient machine with my own capital, uh, keeping it simple. Uh, I do want to give some partnership to the guys in the team, but uh, not really raising equity and just simple kind of family operation there. What advice would you give for an investor that wants to do something similar? You obviously have learned a ton about how did you even know how, who to hire, what type of role to hire? What did you like? How did you get into that whole world of virtual assistants and then hiring somebody to help you with the boots on the ground stuff in Omaha? What did that look like? Where did you learn all this stuff? Well, I mean, it has been a grind. Uh, I was kind of checking numbers and I was like, I think I work like 70 hours a week. So it's like, it hasn't been easy. It might sound like it because we're just talking about it, but the, I I did a mentorship uh, program. I paid this guy $30,000 because he was doing what I wanted to do, which was to build a business. Like I can go and wholesale properties or I can go and fix and flip properties. I can go and do whatever on my own, which is what I was doing, but I wanted to build a business. So these guys are already doing it. So I just basically gave them 30 grand and got three months to kind of see what was going on. And that kind of became kind of like my business model. And then I'm just making it my own. What did, would you do that again? 
Absolutely. I'm just looking for the next person that I feel like I should really go after, you know. Um, Do you want to give a shout out to the $30,000 so, mystery uh, man? Yeah. So my man, Carlos Reyes with the Olding Nation in Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, his partner, uh, Sal Shakir and Alex, like they, they, they basically run a really cool business of wholesaling. They wholesale, I think they just did a deal, like $800,000 fix and flip. And they they have like this 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 amazing business that I would like to have. So I just hire hire Carlos and kind of see how he does it. And you you spent some time in Phoenix. You flew down there, took a look at their operation. They they really spent some time with you to make sure you understood how it worked, right? Yeah, yeah. So they they do different things, and um, one of them is like yeah, those like in live events. So I mean, there are these social media gurus, and they're doing it, and they they put these amazing things, so you can learn from them. Yeah, maybe we can link to them in the show notes. That's a that's a pretty good shout out. I mean, a testament to how your business has taken off too. You've gotten a lot of traction here in the last few months. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it takes time. Like, um, you know, I think it has been pretty inconsistent the first half of the year, and then no, even even the fir- the first third of the year has been inconsistent. Like right now, what I really want for this year is kind of gain a little more consistency. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just like any other new business, you know. So, what have you found to be one of your better sources of lead generation? Uh, honestly, like, you know, we put a lot of time and money and effort into just cold calling, mm-hmm. uh, but I get really good leads by just referrals. Uh, and that, that, ha- that was the way I was running my, my own business back in the day. I wasn't really pouring any more money on marketing and that still keeps coming, you know? So, I mean, we do cold calling is what we do. Um, and referrals, that's would, it. Would you say a lot of those referrals come from networking? I don't know. I, I think it's really we connecting with people. Like it's not really like I have been chasing those referrals or anything. It's just like literally I have a conversation with a business owner, and we talk about business, and we kind of you know we just love each other. We share information. We I don't know. We pour into a relationship for two hours. Next thing you know, I got two deals out of that, and you know, and then just kind of giving back as well, right? Well, I say that because it seems like every meetup in town, you're always at them. Oh well, I just like drinking. And yeah. <laughs> I got, you know, that's my excuse, right? That's, that's, that's part of those 70 hours a week work, right? Like that, that's part of the 70 hour a week work life balance, right? So you have to balance it out, right? So, <laughs> right? Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, so quote unquote work 70 work. hours a week. Well, that's, yeah. that's part of the 70 hours, man. Yeah. That's work. You know? <laughs> Referrals, right? Oh, I love it. Well, I mean, you are, you're constantly at all the meetups. You're at Omaha Networking Professionals. You're at Omaha Ria. You're at Mopoa. You're making connections. You're getting to know people. I mean, it's safe to say that you're probably making deals and connections through all that, all the net- networking is what I was getting at. Yeah, but that's not why I go there. I go there for the hanging out and just being with people like it. And I mean, just like you know, time. you know, Taylor's listening to this, so you just blew your cover. She don't know I'm here. <laughs> she doesn't know I'm here. I, yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, all right, so got your business kind of uh, straightened out on how you want it to operate. Uh, you've been kicking butt, making some deals uh, through this part of the year. You mentioned you wanted more consistency. What what do you think will get you on that track? And uh, when you can look back on 2022 as a successful year, what will that look like? Yeah, so uh, I think it goes down to the numbers. And, you know, I learned this from from my mentors and people doing the business. It's like a numbers game, right? Like, so I learn from it and then I do it completely opposite, the opposite way. And then I realize, okay, yeah, that's why they told me that, right? (laughs) 
It's like, it's just the numbers. It's like, I just need more cold callers and that's pretty much it, you know? <laughs> I need more, you know, more marketing, right? Like more, I just need to reach out to more people. I think that the SOPs, the standard operating procedures are very important and we already have those in place. It's just reach out to more people. So. So you're a busy guy. Like you said you work in 70 hours. You got two young kids. You got, uh, you know, seven year wife, you know, seven years of marriage. How do you. His wife is not seven years old. Just FYI, people. (laughs) I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't even have gone there. <laughs> hey, so how do you balance this work life and and, and family life? What, what What's your tips and how do you get through it? Yeah, so uh, I, I start every week with our team meeting. And when I say a team meeting, we, we even before the team meeting, we do an accountability meeting, which is, you know, optional. Whoever wants to be there wants to be there. And we hit every single area of our life. So it's like our body, our spirit, our mind. Um, we have, we just have it in there and then everybody says, you know, last week I did this, I didn't did this, I did this, I didn't did this. And this week, this is my goal for this week. So I always preach like, you know, you don't really have to have every single area of your life with a goal for this week. You know, sometimes my word is like family, ignore them until Christmas. Like sometimes it's literally like, you know, it's coming or, you know, you literally got done with a busy week with them because it was a birthday or something. So, uh, I just, you know, it's in balance in order to balance. Like, don't try to keep a balance. Just literally go hard at it and then just whatever you feel like you need to. Like, oh, yeah, I cannot have been ignoring my family for this last week. I'm definitely, we're going to go and do something, right? So um, just kind of flow through it, basically. But that me- that weekly meeting, I think it really helps a lot because it, it, keeps, you, it keeps you in balance with yourself. Like, uh, you don't have to be in balance with every single area of your life, but it keeps you in check. Like it really opens your eyes. Like, oh man, I kind of missing this area, or I'm really good at this area. I but very bad on this one. Let me go at it. You know. So, if you could go back and give yourself advice when you were just getting started, what would you say? Yeah, I'll, I'll probably say uh, go harder at it. Uh, it gets pretty boring after a while. So just go as hard as you can so then you can move on really quick because it just gets boring. So just go harder. What do you think makes it boring? Is it just the repetitiveness or were you doing it alone for so long that uh, you didn't have like kind of a collective or collaboration type? Uh, you Because you are now. I mean, you're, you're always, like Ted said, you're out everywhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely more fun to do it with other people. Uh, and having a team, like a lot of times it's not about me, it's about like what their goals are. And then that, 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 that helps a lot. But no, I think that, I mean, whatever you think is exciting and is challenging and is difficult, it's not going to be challenging, exciting and difficult in a few months from now. You're going to dominate that area. You're going to understand it. You're going to be able to perform on it. So after a while, it just gets boring. Like you just, you just understand what you're doing. So if you go harder at it, you know, you're just going to achieve more. So tell me something. What is, what is your long play? Like where, where, where's the point where you retire or is there a point where you incorporate your kids into this lifestyle? What is the, your long play and generational? Wealth so, plan? so my kids are one and three. So I already, I'm done doing like years over five, five years, like goals over five years. Like I'm done. Like I, I used to do that. I'm a visionary. I tend to gravitate towards doing that. And I already have my trust in place. Like, I'm already kind of took care of that. And it's like, I'm done. Like, what is my next three-year target? That's it, you know. So it changes. <laughs> uh, I just, 
told my wife I want to move to Europe and do all this stuff in like three years. And, then, you know, next thing you know, like before that, it was I want to be in a catamaran doing offline, you know, offline remote work. And it just changes all the time. But I think that the biggest thing is just like what is next year's goal? Let's hit them and then next next year. And I just know I don't want to just like retire. I just want to just take breaks. Like, you know, one of my favorite books is like the four hour work week. And it's just like. Just be flexible and change it up and and just be different. Like I have an European nationality, so I'm I thankful to have an Italian passport. So we can go and move to Europe tomorrow if we want. And I kinda wanna do that. I have family in Spain and I hear it's super slow in there and super different. So I had this idea. I'm like, before I take the catamaran trip in a year around the world, why I don't like the easiest subway is just to move to Europe, to Spain, where my parents will probably move. And just leave my kids with them and my sister and go travel Europe, you know? <laughs> what if you just unannounced showed up at Willie, uh, your virtual assistant's door and just knocked yeah. on the door and be like, who, who are you? And I'm like, I'm, I'm Ruben, dog. What's up? <laughs> it's like, Ruben, like, you're, you're, it's like here's you're, your performance review. I'm coming to you. You're four foot five. I thought you were like six, <laughs> six foot. It's like magic of Facebook. Eh? <laughs> yeah. So digging a little deeper, you know, we've interviewed different people and they've talked about, uh, you know, what their plans with the kids. Like, you know, I, I have a house assigned to my kids and I'm going to make them work to earn it. Do you? Do you have any plans for uh, sharing your wealth with your children down the road? Uh, well, so, you know, I have like this, I kind of uh, did my own philosophy about life. And it's like, you first have to achieve security, then you have to achieve comfort, then you have to achieve generational wealth. And then you have the fun times. Mm-hmm. And then after the fun times, that's when you really just kind of worry about the kids. It's like, right now, if I achieve generational wealth, then I don't need, I just, I just go on and go and have some fun, you know? And it doesn't mean just blow it all up. Like, I don't need a Lamborghini. I don't really care about it. It just means, like, leave out of the cash flow of the properties. So after that, I probably will have plenty of time to figure out what I want to do with my kids because they're just three years old, one year old. Like I said, I already have my trust set up. If something happens tomorrow, they're going to be rich. So I'm not worried about it. But I'm just done thinking more than three years ahead. So I, I kind of like that approach, actually. It's kind of like, what is that Maslow's hierarchy of needs where it's uh, the, the security, comfort, and then we're on your way up the pyramid um, and leaving your goals, your long-term goals, flexible as life deals you different curveballs, right? Exactly. Because like, See what I did there with the baseball no, analogy? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Because like I might be in Europe and next thing I'm just like talking to this guy and this new business opportunity comes up. Guess what? Like what I was thinking back in the day, you know, that's irrelevant by now. So. Yeah. And, and if you're so rigid on your goals that you aren't able to pivot or, you know, go off in a different direction when opportunity presents itself. Yeah. It, it, I think you're self-limiting. Well, and so, I tell you what, you, like you're one of those people, you've had your core thing, that's your investments, but you, your, your career has completely pivoted inside this so many times. And I've seen it just in the years I've known mm-hmm. you and, and you do, you go all in on what you do, but you seems like you do do kind of a life transition every couple of years. Yeah. Well, that's part of figuring it out. So I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's why I end up in real estate. Like, honestly, like that's why I end up in real estate because real estate is like this one third of the economy, right? You can go into finances, construction, property management, investments. Like you can go into so many different areas in real estate. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but real estate was this very easy, you know, if I if rich people invest in real estate without knowing much about real estate, why don't I learn about real estate so then I can invest my money in real estate actually knowing what I'm doing, right? 
Now you mentioned mentorship, both paid and free, um, a couple of times. What, how did, how has that impacted your investing? And then do you, do you have any formal or informal, uh, continued mentoring relationships either as a mentee or a mentor? Yeah, absolutely. So that's how it all started. It just started with mentorships, uh, informal for the most part. Uh, and right now I think the people I'm, I'm mentoring are the people within my company. That really is my focus right now. I'm not taking this employer approach. It's more like, you know, we're a family and we want to all grow together. So let me help you even with what's going on in your house. Like, let me help you out with that because I have learned a few lessons about that. Like, you know, you're having issues like taking care of your or your daughter because, you know, your wife is at work and your daughter is at work with you. I understand that, you know. Let's go around and let's figure it out. Let's let's figure this out together. So I think be, the biggest mentorships I have right now is within my company as well as, you know, my, my brother is in town. I feel like, you know, he and I, we, we have been going through a lot over the last three, five years. So I have that going on. And then uh, I, I, I'm really just looking to like, you know, where where is that next mentorship coming from for me? Because I do know a lot of exceptional people and, you know, I can call you and have a cup of coffee every day, right? Not every day, but every once in a while. And I will learn so much from that, like whatever I need at that time. But those $30,000 mentorships are really important. So that's a great takeaway. So yeah, finding the right uh, paid programs to get involved in is going to catapult your business. You know, it's basically like adding rocket fuel. So I think a lot of times people, gurus get a bad name. Um, and there are some good ones and ones that are worth it. And, it, and you have to look at where you want to take your business and what the gaps are. And then if you have somebody that can give you the keys to a lot of shortcuts, why not do it? 30 grand is a big number, um, especially for people that are just getting started. But I think when you take that into the big picture, it's really a drop in the bucket for what it can do for your business and your life. Well, and then the reality is like, I already have one and then I just have budgets, right? So it's like, I just have like this great opportunity to show up and it's like, you know what? Like that's kind of pulling me away from my budget because I already allocate that towards that. So I'm still looking and they're like, the reality is that gurus, they have to pour money into their 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 guru business. A lot of times they get a bad name and the reality is that they have different businesses. The one you're actually learning from is not their guru business. So you, you get around them long enough that you start realizing that they actually might make just enough money on the business that you're learning from to just be able to make a ton of money on the guru side of things. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you have to just get past that and then you see the, the good part into it, which is like they're doing something that you want to do. And actually, you might want to do it even better than them because that's going to be your only source of business, right? So that's the difference. Like they might have three different aspects and you only want one of them. So. Well, I think just to finish the point on this, I think it's what you do with the information you get. It's like anything else. You can meet with a mentor and be like, oh, this is great. And then you never go out and apply the knowledge that you just gained. Then you wasted your time and theirs. And if you're if you're going to invest thirty grand in learning something, hopefully you will actually go out and implement the ideas and strategies they gave you. Because I think that's where a lot of people fail. They just get in that education, that nonstop education cycle where they're like, "Oh, I want to get this workshop or this boot camp or this next thing." It's like instead of actually taking those things and going out and making your first deal and screwing up, but making progress through it, yeah. which. Might be a good segue into our next segment, Ted. Failing In this uh, section, Ruben, we'd like to hear from you about a deal that didn't go according to plan. Do you have something in mind? 
Yeah, I have a few of them, and they all relate with Council Bluff. I already told you that. So <laughs> I got the promised land. Yeah, I got I got sacked last night, uh, the night two nights ago. They broke into the f- we were doing a bear in there, and they took the washing dryer, the dishwasher, oh, the tools. Gosh, but so that that's the kind of thing you don't plan for, right? But that that happens. I mean, how many times had that happen, right? Like that happens. Can I give you a little golden nugget? Yeah, <clears throat> get. Some nest. I did. I went to Home Depot and I got the contractor nest yeah. orange box and I set it up. I was there till like eleven o'clock last night setting it up. So. Yeah. So I, when my properties are getting work or vacant, I put internet in. I get the nest cameras. I usually buy them off Facebook. I probably own about fourteen of them now. And I, I set up a couple cameras around the house. You can get free surveillance or you can pay one hundred and twenty bucks a year for unlimited cameras and have ninety days of footage. And you can talk through them, and uh, it is, it's been valuable. And you can track when your guys are actually there working. Hey, question on that: when you're getting, when you're getting internet service put in at a vacant property, is it? Do you use local cable? Yeah. Is that okay? So call your local cable provider and get internet hooked up for forty dollars. And uh, this Nest uh, product that you're talking about comes with a subscription. What it's, it's you said it's month to month. You can be free. Okay. Or you can pay for 120 bucks for a year for uh, 90 days of footage. Look at that. A little bonus golden nugget yeah, action Yeah, that's a lot better than what I pay for already. So Yeah. yeah. Good uh, good tip. Okay, so sorry. So, we got you uh, sidetracked. So we have one deal. So it was uh, my first deal was two houses in Concept Bluff that I bought uh, by kind of like driving by. And how, how did you find it? You were just uh, – you drove by? Drove by, yeah. And uh, I see like this little sign for sale. And like the other one, I was like walking by and then the guy came to me and we got talking. And um, Ted was involved on that one, actually. He, he, uh, the mansion in Concept Bluff, remember? Oh, yeah, yeah. So um, we were kind of having a little bit of a... Beautiful house. It was a beautiful house. It was like, I probably started like too high on the price. And How much did it cost? I think we bu- I bought it for like 150 and put like 30 into it. And we were asking like, I don't know, like 250 or like 280, I think. Uh, and we probably started like a little too high and... Um, Anyways, we had a we were kind of four months, five months into it, and we got this rich lady come to us saying that her dad is in Japan. And um, anyway, she puts an offer. Uh, she she was like playing like the trust fund baby, and um, Ted knows all about this. You want to say it or you want me to say it? Go do it. Yeah. So <laughs> we gave her a preoccupation. Uh, preoccupied agreement so she could move in and she can close the next day because she was getting kicked out of the apartment it was a college world series it was miserable and for the record we talked to the bank got verification we had a lawyer that we were discussing with that were handling the funds so we did our due diligence behind this it wasn't like we because we were very reluctant, you know, just to let somebody pre-occupy the property. So, so this is early occupancy. So she was supposed to close on the property the, the next following day, day and yeah. she said, "Hey, I'm in bad way here. Can I? Can I she, just? Cl- can she, I stay here the night before? No big deal. Because she's I'll got close tomorrow. She's got her three kids with her. Oh yeah, it was he, more like five or six, or maybe. Or well, something. yeah. And she had like her moving truck there, and she's like, uh, and she was traveling through, and all the boxes checked. Yeah, and uh, we gave it to her, and next thing we know, she was a squatter. And then, you know, kind of worked my magic through getting her out of there. A serial squatter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was a professional. And it it just kind of, you know, it took an interesting turn there, so. 
we call the police on this. We come to find out that she's been doing this everywhere. She did have a rich family that she kind of separated herself from. And I think there was maybe drugs or anything, something involved in this life. We don't know if all five kids were even hers. Uh, she was. Yeah. How did okay? But how does somebody get the bank on board? Like, how do I mean? Is there how do you how do you pierce this veil? Like, how does well? You how know, do you sniff out a situation? It like gets this? difficult when you have like you know the realtor and you are not really even talking to her, and it's just like it's like a layer of communication, and you know, it just it all gets lost. So, so the can we get into the fun part about this? Yeah, what is it? Yeah, so one of the... I don't remember. I completely oh. forgot about it until you mentioned it like a year ago. It's like, oh, yeah, that happened. Oh, my gosh. And this, let me just... We call it the Truly Mansion. And this house was beautiful. And we're talking like three stories, like cigar room upstairs. It's um, called a ballroom. Yeah, a ballroom upstairs. I mean, it was like a cigar room. And... Uh, I thought you just got together and drank Truly's up there. And well, that's what you were doing up there. And this is like, <laughs> and this is like a six-bed, four-bath, servant quarters, just... Truly, a absolutely gorgeous home, phenomenal, and oh Oakland gosh. Oakland Avenue was it on that? That's Next to it, okay, yeah. And so, we, 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 there's a big story behind this house too, and I know that he did, we did, looked up the heritage on it. But so this had multiple air conditioners, and all of a sudden there, she's like, "Hey, you know what? We're, you know we're supposed to close tomorrow, but I got no air conditioning." And he had all new units in there, and we're like, "What the heck?" So we said, "You know," and she's like, "You know what?" Um, I went and had my I had the ACs checked. There is some significant issues here. Uh, I want a fifteen thousand dollar check to take care of this right now. And well, she sabotaged the units to try to get us to pay the money to pick fix the units right away. So she's trying to get the money out right 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 up front. And so you end up having to spend thousands of dollars to fix these units already. And but she was coming up with these numbers. Hey, these have to be replaced. They're completely shot. I just want the cash. And so she's trying to pull this. I'm like, hey, you know, we have our own people in house. Let's let's get this checked out. Well, big learning lesson. Uh, again, that was like one of my first deals, and it, you know, you learn a lot when you get into it. So, but she squatted there for a couple of weeks. Yeah, so I just showing up there every other day. Like you can you can legally get her out. You legally. You can't get her out. Can't, cannot. You cannot, yeah. Uh, or you can. You need to wait like two months or something. It's like, I don't have two months of, you know, this house sitting here, you know. Interest only one year construction long, kind of coming due, whatever, you know. And it's like. And the bummer about this is like we spent thousands on staging, you know, and in photos and stuff. So we, all the stuff got moved out. This lady, we're trying to get her out. We finally get her out. And. And I know you don't remember all this. So I do vividly. Nope. <laughs> and uh, and so now we're it's like Ted's feeling for that's why we're stealing real estate. That's, that's how you get over it. There's there's lead glass windows in between rooms and stuff, you know. And so some of these were panes were broken now, and you know, and there was paint damage, and there and the the kitchen was overly used, and and so there was now we're now we're sticking thousands of dollars to get this plus it's now it's not staged anymore Ugh, i would have been so mad and, and then did, the house being on the market for like whatever you know now it's like a year or something you just start smelling you know and it's like ah oh it's just so depressing we and luckily yeah. it sold really quick after yeah, that i think you know and uh did i lost money on it probably i don't keep track but i probably lost a little bit maybe a little bit really Maybe not. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't care. I, like, don't, I, don't I learn. I don't need to learn through losing or making money. Like I learned my lesson on that one. So is the is the takeaway here? Never do early occupancy or never or, or put, never 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 ever so, do one. 
and we were always eager about it, but the house is sitting on the market for a while. It was a higher price point, and we were a little eager to make it happen. But it, for our brokerage, it became a policy that we will ne- will never personally sign off on any type of early occupancy. But this is the one that we did do the due diligence. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, absolutely. Like I say, just check all the boxes. So and we had to, we had to t- finally talk to police in several cities to find out that she's doing this in multiple cities. We did talk to the dad finally. He's like, yeah, she was a trust fund but baby, but I cut her off because of the drugs and her doing all these uh, felonies and going from state to state on a Kidnapp- run. Kidnapping random kids. We, and we, taking- we yeah. never found out if the kids were hers. Yeah. They were she, like who they were. She had, like I said, five kids. But only I think only two or three of them were actually hers. So we didn't know idea about the other kids. You know, one thing I learned, though, is, is like follow your God. Because we did met with her the day before. Uh, it was like, okay, yeah, she can move in, but I'm going to have to meet her, you know, kind of transition there. And I, when I saw her truck and that, you know, that's a funny thing. It's like the, the thing I have learned is like, you do have to stereotype. You do have to stereotype in this world. It kind of sucks, but you know, I get hit all the time. You know, I, I go into danger. Like I go into it, you know, like, oh, danger. Let me just poke into it and see what happens. Right. And it's just, Esther, you know, I, if I will have a stereotype. I would have not gone there. You know what I mean? So while follow you got, your gut. While you got, <laughs> this is funny to me because I've been doing this uh, 17 years now. And this month marks the very first time that I have ever allowed early occupancy <laughs> while, we're, oh. while we're talking about this story. So while you guys are talking, Dude. I'm like, oh, crap. That was a golden yeah. nugget, right? There. Yeah. So, it was and, a month late. Hey, guess where the, <laughs> guess where the house is? Oh yeah, yeah, Ten yeah, yeah, CB. No, yeah. and it's a nice house. Yeah. But, oh uh, yeah, yeah. So that like, check all the boxes. Yeah, this is a two <laughs> two week early, so I'll have to report back uh, in a few episodes and let you know if we uh, actually yeah, uh, right. actually good closed. luck. Good yeah. luck with that. Thanks, man. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're all cringing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> kind of tightened up there a little bit. Well, I think that was a great lesson to learn on this. Uh, that you you know really do your due diligence if you have to do this pre occupancy. But we're about out of time. We're almost out of time. Let's get into the OT with Owen and Ted. All right. In this section, we got some rapid fire questions we're going to throw at Bring you. Bring it up, baby. All right. Let's, let's see what you got. Okay. First one. How were you able to change your mindset to get started in investing? I needed to do it. It was a have to, not a want I to. I have to do it. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that de- desperation provides inspiration. Well, I was an investor without knowing I was an investor. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I had to do it. What passion or hobbies do you have, Ruben? Uh, my kids, my family. Uh, I really like catamarans. Catamarans. I like sailing. Yeah, I just discovered that recently. I really like that. I always had liked the beach, and you know, we don't have much to go around. You, here. you like the what? Yeah, I know. I have that accent issue. Yeah, that that came up really early. On, <laughs> <laughs> I like the beach. Yeah. He likes the beaches. Yeah, the yeah, beaches. beaches yeah. Okay, that came up at the first family dinner at my wife's house when I'm just dating her, and they go like, "What?" <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so sailing. I like snowboarding a lot too. Um, I used to surf, so now that's the closest I can get to. And well, obviously playing baseball. I actually just start playing baseball again. So just lots of hobbies. What is your favorite method for, or do you have a favorite media f- related to real estate? So I know you're not a huge podcast guy, except for Rhea Radio, which is, you said you, was your favorite of all time. <laughs> uh, but do you have any, uh, like, how do you learn more stuff? Uh, I read books. I honestly, 
uh, yeah, like right now I'm like on a low information diet. Uh, but I, I'm constantly just reading a book. Like I'm audiobook guy, so constantly. So you got any favorites you're working on right now? Uh, well, I'm right now. I just finished 10x for like the fifth time, and uh, Grant Cardone. Yeah, and then I just, which is kind of recent that I started. I I I, I hear it five times in a row. Can you imagine that? Five times in a row. That's a lot. Yeah, five times, and it's like eight hours. So you 50xed it. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> yeah, I know that. And then uh, right now I'm in the four hour work week again for my third time for some reason you know I kind of get lost after like six hours. There's a there's a lot of good stuff in that book. The details, yeah, it's yeah. so it's so dense. You have yeah. to kind of pick out some yeah. things in there to apply. It's like oh, I feel like I'm working too much. Maybe I, I, I should read that book again and see what I'm doing wrong. You know. Yeah. What is the book you would suggest to a new investor or an established investor getting over the hump? And the hump could be a first time getting into real estate or it could be like jumping into multifamily or jumping into a new business. So I, I, I recently just lost this, like the deal of my life. You know, it happens all the time, right? Like you lose this one deal and I just did. And I realized I could have gone into it if I have read the 10 X. So I read that book. 10 X is amazing. 10 yeah, X. It's like, just read that book and you won't ever be did, a pussycat anymore. You're going to go and do it. Did like, you read you have it to. or listen to it? I listened to it. Yeah. I don't read. But is it, is it amazing yeah. listen? Uh, yeah, I love listening to it. Yeah. I mean, for the fifth time, right? <laughs> and I did that within like a month. Like, it's kind of crazy. I just got obsessed about it. So Interesting. How can our listeners support you and what's the best way to reach you? All right. Uh, I would just give you my phone number. I have like Facebook and I have uh, Instagram and my business has a Facebook page too. But I mean, if you just text me, I will probably reply back. Even if I don't want to. What's your Instagram handle? Cash for Keys? No, uh, it's my name is Ruben Dario, and it's uh, R U B E N D and then underscore A R I O. Ruben Dario. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Um, Are there like cat videos on there? What What can we expect? Uh, I do a lot of kids. Like my kids is like all I post is my kids. I think they're like the cutest ones. So awesome. <laughs> it's just kids. Yeah. <laughs> I should post more houses, but I do my kids. Uh, and my number is 712-314-8296. Love it. Ruben, thank you so much for coming down. I've wanted to get you on forever. I've known you for a long time. You're doing amazing, successful things. And I think that people will be really impacted by your story. So um, look forward to see what take, what happens with uh, 2022 and 2023 in your future. And I don't want to go past 2023 because that's kind of the max of how far you look out. But Um, if you are listening to this for the first time or the uh, 19th time we appreciate you so much Uh, we've had uh, 25 reviews on our Apple podcast or uh, starred reviews but uh, no new written reviews in the last two weeks which makes us sad it makes us sad because we like to read those out but Owen you don't know this but we uh, I had a gift dropped off to my house I think uh Maybe listeners may be under the misconception that we actually live together, uh, which is not the case. So if you want to send gifts, my, I live in a separate residence than Ted. <laughs> so uh, Gary and Jen, Jen's a local realtor. Uh, she wrote us a card. Let me, let me read a little bit here to you. Yes, please. Okay. So it says, uh, we hope you enjoy the chocolate covered cherries with uh, your next recording guest. We make thousands of these every year and share those and have made a uh, sweet impact on uh, us. Uh, she says, uh, Huz and I are real estate rookies and have been uh, learning from a variety of sources. The Rehab Radio podcast has quickly become one of our favorites. Thank you for your time, energy, and resources. It really is a priceless gift to us. Uh, 
and laying the foundation to our journey. Although we feel like it, we knew, we know you, uh, we're super excited to meet you guys at the next re event. Um, yeah, so just, just man, re- that is so cool. Thank you, like Jen. that. That is kick ass. Thank you so much, Jen and husband, for listening. It takes, you know what? It's a small thing. It's something that not a lot of people do. We really appreciate you. Thanks for the thanks for the shout out. Well, thanks for the we delicious do, confections. We we, got we, here. we do this for fun, and we you know, uh, you know, we do this for fun, and we don't think about the impacts that we make. Oh, so I'm, I'm having let, one right let's now. Ha- let's have one. You can't take the other box. That's for Denless. Oh, I forgot about <laughs> Denless. Jeez. And so thank you so much for this. This is very um, delicious. Delicious. And a Merry Christmas to you. Um, we hope everybody had a great Christmas and happy holidays uh, by the time you listen to this. I know that we're a couple of days behind uh, when you get this. But um, we, this has been really a blessing for me. Uh, it's been a great – it's been very impactful for me to do this podcast Get to lo- know our friends and our RIA members uh, closer. Uh, I'm excited about where this is going in the future. Uh, and I, I I think that we're only going up here from this point, Owen. This has been a great exclamation point on the 2021 year, the, the year of the RIA Radio podcast. And we're looking forward to 2022. We've got a great slate of uh, guests on the on the docket here for the upcoming months. So uh, really appreciate our listeners. Hope you had a kick-ass 2021 we're looking forward to uh, bringing in the new year with some uh, with a really good guest for the uh, in-person RIA uh, meetup on Tuesday, January fourth. Do you want to help me co-host that? Um, TBD. I'll get I'll get back to you on that. Okay. Uh, but yeah, it's super excited. That's going to be an awesome start to the new year. So uh, yeah, everybody listen in. Make sure you put that on your calendars. Don't miss it. It's going to be a, a really good episode. And that one is located at the Holiday Inn. Yep, it's uh, right outside the ballpark. It's Holly in downtown. It's got the water park in it. Right by the TD Ameritrade uh, building downtown. Yeah. Or, or stadium, excuse me. Little tip, uh, if you show your RIA card in hand, there's a burger joint in that's in there. And they will give you 25% off your uh, your dinner tab. Burger Theory, I your, think. Yeah, Burger yeah. Theory. And they'll give you 25% off your dinner tab. And they'll also give you half-priced hotel rooms. And if you get there night. anytime... Just that night. That night. Uh, and yeah. if you get there early enough, uh, Ruben is allegedly going to be throwing batting practice in, uh, in the be, stadium. I'm going to be skiing in Colorado. Oh, sorry. okay. I won't sorry. be there. I, yeah. uh, Maybe I'll do it. I'll dust life, off the, dust off the balance, spikes. You know, life balance, right? Yeah. So. It's these, not a catamaran. These are them. the best chocolate cookies. <laughs> they are damn good. <laughs> I, am, I am not going to get out of here uh, with any of these surviving. So, so. thank you again. Well, you guys see us out of here, Owen. Oh, okay. Well, a little change up here. Uh well, thanks again, listeners. This has been a fantastic 2021. Um, on behalf of Ted Kosh, I'm Owen Dashner, and you've been listening, listening, been listening, you've been, you've been lusting after Ruben, <laughs> radio model, Ruben the Venezuelan heartthrob Gomez. <laughs> Just keep all that. Yeah, yeah. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Signing off. Let's go.